that's so interesting. Ooh, that's interesting. Well, that is very interesting. Please tell me more. Very interesting. Marty, that was very interesting. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to That's So Interesting, the podcast where we discuss what we think are objectively interesting things. I'm Graham, and on today's show, we're going to be taking a deep dive into the world of nature around us. And as always, I'm joined by uh, Brandon and Brian. Fellas, how are you doing today? Oh, doing great. I love that you almost said that you were joined by yourself in your introduction, so it made my night. We're doing well. That's right. I'm human too. <laughs> Brian, how's your uh, how's your book club going? You know what? This was a tough week for the book club. <laughs> we we finished off the two books that I was reading last week, but we haven't picked up another one in the last five days. So, or I guess it was That's yeah right. about five days. So we'll get back on the horse this week. That's all right. The goal is for fifty. So I know. No, you gave yourself a little bit of wiggle room. Not a whole lot, but a little bit. I figured audiobooks are gonna help get me by that 50 mm. from mm. like Good listen call. them listen to them while i'm doing like monotonous tasks at work or you know just going at the gym or going for walks and stuff you can fill your your day with an hour to an hour and a half of audiobooks pretty easily yeah good call any uh what's your, who's your preferred audiobook provider i use the waterloo regions public library here and so they have the app overdrive app that you can just like link the, you can get the, all the free downloads um and you loan them out for like two or three weeks and it just like they sync for you right to your your sorry your library what do you call it frick oh man yeah but like you're when you reserve a book or you rent one out app oh loan there we go when you loan an audio file frick words are hard today it goes right into your account and then you can hit play and you're good to go so it's pretty seamless Way to support local business. Beautiful. Good for Absolutely. you. <laughs> Having fun isn't I hard, heard, guys, um... when you have a library card. Oh, I was just trying to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, I heard a long time ago that having fun isn't hard <laughs> when you've got a library card. <laughs> Good work. Good work, team. Man, I'm so happy you brought that up. Thank you. <laughs> okay, before we jump into the nature, I was in Saskatoon this past weekend for basketball. And I guess a quick nature note, it was minus 25 degrees Celsius plus wind chill. So it was like minus 35, minus 40 in Saskatoon. In Edmonton, six hours away, or four, four hours away, seven degrees. Explain that to me. Wow. Well, you know, Anyways, the, the poral, polar vortex coming from the North Pole that pushes southerly um, impacts. Oh, right yes, I heard there was a cold weather Jet system. streams. <laughs> you know, full, flowing northeasterly across the seaboard. I have no idea. <laughs> what a gong yeah. show. Just crazy. Crazy Canadian weather. Anyways, um, we were at lunch and we were talking about if you guys had the opportunity to play We'll call it semi-professional sports because this wouldn't happen in real pro sports. But semi-professional sport in a sport of your choice. And the team paid you only in gift cards to one restaurant. Where would you go? What restaurant would you pick? And I'll stipulate that the, the gift cards for... is enough to like eat every meal there. Like three meals a day for the whole week or whatever. What about snacks? Do Sweet. we get snacks too? Uh 
yeah, okay. I'll s- assume you get one takeout item as well. <laughs> all right, all right. I like this. Like a side or something. Thanks for advocating, no for us, Brian. <laughs> I think for for me, <laughs> for me, I'm gonna have to go uh, with Tucker's marketplace. Mm. Uh, so it's not it's not a massive chain, from what I Good understand. Work. Were you clapping? I was clapping. That's a great Thank choice. It's concerned. <laughs> uh, the reason I'm going with Tucker's Marketplace, for our listeners who might not know, is Tucker's Marketplace is a buffet-style restaurant. Number one, really important. If I'm on a sports team, I might be going through a specific program to either gain mm-hmm. or lose weight, so I can pick and choose exactly it's what I want. It's always Balkan season. In Come any on. situation. <laughs> you're right i'm just trying to pretend that i have self-control and also tucker's marketplace is open in the mornings and serves a different breakfast focused menu and so during those days when i want a well-rounded breakfast meal i will get that there and then for the rest of the time lunch dinner seasonally like around christmas time they'll have a bit of like a christmas special carved turkey stuffing you know, everything like that, fantastic. And so if I could eat there for every meal, 10 out of 10 would be. So wh- where is Tiger's Marketplace? Burlington. Burlington. Uh, yeah, there's one What's, by the... Talk to me about the quality of this food. Because the one thing I, I'm good. concerned about with buffets is, like, it's good once. But to have it every single day for every single meal, like... Is the menu that diverse where you can yeah. able to have different items every single day? That's my fear. The other thing is like you got a lot of, have a lot of self control to not gorge every meal. Why why clapped was because uh, I've been to Tucker's Marketplace many times when I was a tour guide uh, in Ottawa. A lot of schools would go to get their best bang for their buck there, and for like the diverse options for fifty people. They have like prepared, like make made to order stations. So like they have a made to order pasta station. You can get fresh pad thai, um, pasta. You can do roast beef or prime rib as well if you go on certain nights of the week. So it's not just buffet like steam table food. It's also made fresh. And I think that's Mm -hmm. what elevates their buffet game and the variety Mm. of options because you can get you know that fresh stuff as well so i support that decision and they have everything they have everything from seafood to pasta to pizza to potatoes chicken tofu like oh it's good oh the it's so bars. good um oh. <laughs> and then brandon to answer your question about the self-control i don't have a good answer for you um i would probably become obese and get cut from the team. But up until I get cut, I would eat at Tucker's Market. You're getting extreme value. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, geez. Brian, do you have an answer? Would it be be a buffet style or would it be like more of a traditional sit-down? I'm struggling here, guys. Um... Because like I was thinking for me, like I want something where the quality of food I know is going to be good. But the menu also has to be extensive enough to where, you know, I can order different things every day and not get kind of bored. I was thinking like Boston pizza for me oh. would be a good happy medium. Like the the menu is quite diverse. You have healthy options. Um, you have, you know, not as healthy options. The only problem is I guess they don't really do a breakfast. 
so you'd kind of be screwed a little bit there yeah but like but, uh you you could we could envision them having a breakfast right like for the right, place for that the don't, purpose for the, of this for yeah. the purpose of this story yeah i don't know i could probably do like the Rim. keg or a steakhouse of some sort because they typically have like you do your surf and turf you can have your chicken they still have some vegetarian right. options like and normally the quality is pretty good um and you can always alter what you get yeah, that's true even how they cook it that could change it up enough for me with it still being quality food but i don't know that's a tough one yeah the, we were talking about the keg too and it being maybe on the fringe of like you know okay let's limit it to like 500 dollars a week maybe the keg is eliminated yeah but yeah interesting option because it's like you want a protein heavy diet if you're an athlete Mm-hmm. But are there enough options outside of just straight protein to kind of make it worthwhile? So that part was interesting. Yeah. But yeah, I just thought it was an interesting conversation. Thanks for indulging. Let's uh, let's talk about nature. Right on. Right on. Brian, do you want to hit us with one of the stories that you were sort of mentioning before we got started? Uh, I can. I was going to start off start us off on a, a lighter note. Uh, with going with the fact and a, a nature fact related to an animal that everybody sees regarding squirrels. Squirrels okay. do not have the ability to burp or to vomit. So I thought that was interesting because what if you eat too much nuts? What do you, how are you supposed to empty the tank? So... Right, like, they don't. They're not like they can't physically cannot. They cannot physically burp or vomit, so they have no reflex. Sounds like Christina. They haven't. Yeah, they apparently it goes down the chute and like it's a vault until they need to eat again. Don't know the science behind it, but wow. Yeah, yeah, similar, definitely similar to Christina. So... She is working on her burp game. Um, uh, you know, I give her credit. She's come a long way. <laughs> Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say she's at a full, like I don't think she can ever have a full burp, but um, she's de- she's definitely working on her game. So it's 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 getting better. Progress, not perfection. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. So follow up question though, how many types of animals have you seen burp or vomit? I can go like. Dogs and cats, for sure. Mm. What would we <laughs> right. consider like a whale using its blowhorn or blowhole as like a, a burp or a vomit or like a burp? No. Could we consider that? No. 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 That's just breathing. I, I think it's pretty equivalent to breathing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to push the boundaries here, guys. Yeah, no. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call you on that one. <laughs> but like, I also haven't really tried to see how many other animals or mammals burp and vomit. Now, well, that's what this is all now about. I'm watch trying them. to expand everyone's horizons. Birds, yeah. birds do for sure. <laughs> birds well, for no, sure. Vomit, 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 vomit is what I'm going. But they chew up, burping. they chew food, and then they Can... like kind of regurgitate it back to the young. I don't really know yeah, if I that, call that vomiting. That's vomiting. If you can pull something back up, that's that's. A <laughs> well, vomit. they're not pulling it back up. I don't think. I think some of them do. 
Okay, next time, if someone asks me, if someone asks me if I vomited, and I did, I'm gonna say <laughs> nope. I regurgitated. No, I just pulled it back up for the kids. Okay, it's a synonym. It's always for the kids. Always, always for the kids. Wow. Well, well, thank you. No worries. I figured I hit us off <laughs> right, with a bang. Was an awesome way to kick this off. I thought you were gonna give us yeah, the goats no one. No, no, that one's good though. <laughs> right on. Well, I'm sort of excited to share all of my facts, but for starters, there is a type of heron called the black heron, and it'll stand in shallow water and use its wings to create shade in the water that attract fish. And once the fish are close, bang, dinner time. For oh, the I thought you were going to say it creates shade for itself. And I was like, that's exactly what I need at the beach. The ability <laughs> to create my own shade. Sunburn <laughs> season, come on. <laughs> oh my gosh, Brandon. <laughs> yeah, no, I just thought it was it's super yeah. interesting. Like, And we can extend this to all of the super creative lure tactics that exist in nature, right? But... This was one in particular that I just thought was super fascinating in terms of the creativity of at some point or at some instinctual level that animal knows that shade attracts what they want to eat. So what's the theory so there? do it themselves. What's the theory? Like the fish, like it, it, it cools down the water and then it makes it more comfortable for the fish to be or... It does, is it supposed okay, to simulate... I didn't get a simulate... chance to interview a fish. <laughs> well, but like... <laughs> you didn't get to do Q&A. Think about it. Is it supposed to simulate like the sun has gone down and therefore the fish are coming out? Because fish... I mean, I'm not a fishing expert, but from what I do know is that you're more likely to catch a fish at dusk or at dawn. And it's less likely right. to catch in the middle of the day. So I wonder if that's why is that in covering up the sun... The fish think it's nighttime and are more likely to come to the surface. It's a fair, yeah, it's a fair guess. Um, from what, like, I think my my thought to that is, like, because they're literally still in sunny water and then they see the shaded mm. water, or, or, you know, at least feel maybe a change in temperature or something, I think it's maybe more to do with, like, just this maybe sensory change rather than uh, something trying to, like, trigger their instinctual sort of daily routine yeah, i don't know you might be giving fish too much credit there <laughs> well <laughs> that's like true but the heron figured it out yeah right, that's so. true okay think about it this way if like how amazing would it be if you could just like hold your arms up in a circle and food would appear at your feet oh that'd be so nice like that's got to rank up somewhere on the list of superpowers as the greatest superpower <laughs> You know, like, didn't they write about Jesus doing that? <laughs> <laughs> what making food appear? <laughs> yeah, he rose. He raised his arms. Food appeared. Like Turn the water into wine. Yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah, I think I think you nailed it, <laughs> I think, Brandon. I think the next time somebody asks me what superpower I'd like to have, I think that's that's going to be in the conversation. Usually, that's I think nice. I usually go with super strength or flight, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, mainstream. Being able to create food on demand. I mean, come on. Yeah. Everyone's got to eat. <laughs> Let's eat. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Uh, I got some tree facts. 
Oh, trees. Nature. So this actually kind of blew my mind. Apparently, there are 12 times more trees on the Earth than there are stars in the Milky Way. Wow. Which, like, is absolutely really? mind-blowing. Yeah, if you think about all the clear-cutting that we've been doing to our forests and, you know, kind of the impact of the logging industry, and not just the logging industry, but, like, forest fires and parasites and bacteria and weather and all the stuff that kind of destroy mm-hmm. forests there's still that many trees on the planet which is absolutely mind-blowing that's super interesting yeah. and i think i'm processing and i'm becoming more and more open to believing that just because <laughs> what? i think i have a, like a gap in my knowledge when, when <laughs> as in you didn't like, what are you more open to believing in like I didn't, like I did, like I didn't believe you when you initially said it. Like that's false. Oh. But now thinking about it, and it, again, it might be because I don't know a lot about, you know, outer space. But I would feel like every star that I, even I see in the sky at night isn't necessarily in the mm-hmm. Milky Way. Mm. Right. I like. I don't know what the visual yeah. perception of that is. Great but point. Obviously, we feel like there's like an infin- infinite number of stars out there, but how many are actually in the Milky Way? So I'm actually, I'm actually. Like, you're, you're okay I with that fact? That's a really cool fact. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. I'll allow it. Check, checks out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's, it's only a fact when Graham approves it as a as a plausible, like yeah, as a plausible fact. <laughs> and don't Wait, sorry, what's your running guy? Stamper for approval. Yeah, there, there we go. <laughs> Graham the running man. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I saw uh, you got up for a couple of nice nice right. winter runs this week, eh, Graham? No, he, he just he literally you just bet. puts on it, takes a Snapchat, and goes back to bed. <laughs> he goes back inside. It's all an act. <laughs> Imagine. Imagine. That would be brutal. Oh, it'd be ingenious is what it would be. You keep up the brand. No one's the wiser. No one's checking. No one's hacking your Fitbit account, seeing what, what runs you've logged and what you haven't. I That's love true. it. I love it. Maybe I'll start doing that. <laughs> I got another follow-up tree fact. Kind of similar. Um, so now we have bacteria that when a tree falls, bacteria eat away at the tree and it decays and then it fertilizes the ground and creates more trees. Mm-hmm. Cycle of life. Mm-hmm. Apparently, way back when, like 300 million years ago, uh, that bacteria used to not exist. So trees used to be absolutely massive, but have super short roots. So they would fall over easily. And when they would fall over, they wouldn't decay because there's no bacteria to break the trees down. So they would kind of just stack up on top of each other. Oh. And then apparently that kind of pile up of uh, fallen trees is how we've gotten coal. Right. Because of mm-hmm. yeah the compression over yeah. time into peat and everything yeah. like that. Fascinating, wow. blew my mind. But now, I guess, I mean, I don't really know a whole lot about coal, but assuming that because trees are broken down through bacteria now, does that mean we can't have, like, we're not making any more coal? So, like, coal is a non-replenishable resource? I guess so, right? I think it's definitely seen as in the fossil fuel category that is right. finite. Yeah, but I don't think that that's the only way that coal was made. No, I no no, I agree, but I think in like natural coal deposits. Oh um, yeah, absolutely. That probably accounts for a lot of it. Yep. Which I thought was quite interesting. Anyways, nature. I like cool. it. On the tree trend, it's kind of a tree related. Um, it's less of like a fact, but it's 
That's a fact. But it's the impact that wolves and animals well, on. have on. You can't call it a fact until Graham gives it the stamp okay, of approval. Sorry. Okay, Graham. But go on. Are you ready? You can say it. You can say it, and then I'll make it. Here is my. Here is my um, application, application to Graham, the Running Man's backboard. <laughs> running guy. I, I like the Running Man. Anyways, so the thing that I came to my mind when we were brainstorming for this was how wolves have basically revitalized Yellowstone National Park. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1995 they reintroduced wolves into the population after they saw a steep decline and they had an impact on everything from changing the way that rivers were flowing to tree growth to the elk population to impacting the grizzly bear population and the black bear population um along with um all of these different uh impacts from the way that animals move together in herds um as a defense mechanism or not and basically how everything was interacting with an ecosystem based off of one group of of species being reintroduced i thought that was amazing to really bring to light like the impact of an equilibrium within an ecosystem so the fact that I'm bringing yeah, it to the table is absolutely. a balanced ecosystem is much more beneficial for all of us as opposed to um, very sparse and scattered and separated forests, trees, ravines, whatever they may be, especially in the GTA here. Yeah. Basically, from what I think I understand from that is they, like the wolves... Well, basically, Yellowstone needed another apex predator mm-hmm. to kind of keep things regulated. They did. Right? And because the wolf population died down, everything just kind of ran out of control because they didn't have a kind of carnivore predator who was regulating the animal growth and uh, different species populations. Like, because bears and elk and other big game, you know, most, for the most part, are herbivores. Yeah. Right, so they're not really keeping their populations in check. Uh, so yeah, that was actually kind of cool. And you're mentioning the increase in tourism that the wolves have provided since no. their inception or reinception. Oh no, you weren't. No, that's a different one. That's that not was a fact. Fake news. That's not fact. No, um, <laughs> that's fake news. So can Graham, can you please uh, make sure that you don't. Not getting include my stamps. that on the uh, application here. The application? Yeah, <laughs> I want that avoided. It's <laughs> been you. omitted. It's been Thank omitted. Uh, yeah, and apparently, like for elk and and grizzlies and black bears, what it did was not so much for bears, but more so for the for elk and for the grazers. Instead of them wanting to form into bigger packs to defend themselves, they want to separate in smaller packs and herds mm. to be more deceptive. And they would spend less time in a certain spot so that they wouldn't graze as long. And then in return, it also left more grazing for grizzly bears to spread out and black bears to spread out. And everything from like birds to rodent animals could also feed on the elk and 
what else do they have? Like coyotes and another, it was another big animal that when the, the wolves would kill them and leave the remains, they would still come and be able to feed on them. So it like increased all of these various areas while still spreading things out to make it less like the patches and the geographical locations weren't as scavenged because of things being more spread out. So I thought that was cool. Mm-hmm. Not an expert in any way. Is this backworthy, Grim? I think it definitely is. Thanks for <laughs> Thank the you. submission, Brian. <laughs> you ding dong. Um, all right. I'll let you guys decide if my next fact is worth being a fact. Um, there is a, st- a type of stinging sea slug called the blue dragon <laughs> whose favorite meal is the Portuguese man of, for- man of war jellyfish. Wait, what? And so this, so there's this sea slug, which is approximately six to eight inches long. It <laughs> likes to actively hunt and eat the, on average, seven foot plus long, incredibly dangerous Portuguese man of war jellyfish. <laughs> and so I just couldn't believe that this like random stinging sea slug decided to be the predator to an incredibly dangerous and massive jellyfish. So is it a predator or is it its, it's like favorite snack? And the reason sea why I ask because sea like, slug. What are we talking it, about here? Is it like a slug? Like it looks exactly like a slug? <laughs> okay. Well, no, not not exactly. That's a fair question, but <laughs> You're like is this thing swimming? Brandon, please. Google it. it. Like, it is it inchworming itself in the water? N- n- no. <laughs> um, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, it's, it's sort of um, like in a regular shape. At least in this case, the blue dragon is, and like it, it it's sort of like a blend between like a sea star and a sea cucumber. Oh wow, this one's crazy. What's it called? Sea slug. Right. The. The blue dragon stinging sea. The slug. blue glacus is also what it's known as. Oh, that is true, whoa. but I didn't make that attempt. Yo, this one is crazy. Right? I can see the slug, but it also has like wings. Not wings. That was stupid. Yeah. Okay. Fans. So, audio audio format here. So, Brian, describe what you're seeing. Oh my god. Okay. So we got a slug as the base. Just like <laughs> picture a slug, slim, like it went to the gym. It did some slugging around. Yeah. And. Then we got no legs like, though, like very very thick torso. Correct. No legs. Yeah, yeah. yeah got it. Skips leg day. Then yeah. we got like flower petals, long skinny flower petals for for arms, and it has three sets or yeah three sets of arms, so six in total, and there's probably like what sixteen flower petals on each arm. And it's like, it's ah, nice, different shades of aqua blue with some white mixed in. Uh, The closest thing that I can think of is like, you know, those, those hippie blankets that people put on their walls, like the tapestry that are like (laughs) kind of tie dye, but they're not Mm -hmm. really, they're actually like a design. It kind of reminds me that those are on the flat, like the flower petal arms. Right? Was that close? Was that close? I I was looking at one and I'm yeah. like, yeah, that's pretty spot on. Okay, perfect. 
But anybody so listening, you we want you to uh, we want you to draw a picture of it, submit it to that's so interesting pod at gmail.com and the best drawing will win a prize. Yeah, I'm down for that. Absolutely, prize TBD. What what, what were you mentioning? How, how right big now? can they grow? From what I understand, like no more than six to eight inches. Like they're not. Oh, jeez, the ones that I'm seeing are like the like they look like pebble size. It's hard. That that that's Graham's like reference to six to eight inches, though. Okay. <laughs> that was pretty good. Well done. I like it. That's crazy. That's fact. That's fact worthy. Yeah. So now picturing that. Thank you, Brian. Now, picture that taking down a Portuguese man of war jellyfish. Okay, okay hold on. I got to look up this thing is now. Portuguese? <laughs> can we buy one? Can we buy Portuguese. one of these on Amazon, one of each, and see what happens? <laughs> put them in a tank together and just let them fight? Should, you guys should fight. <laughs> but from what I understand, it's not much of a fight. What's it called? Man, like, man of war? Man o war. Portuguese man of man o war. Yeah, it's literally man space o space war. Yo, that thing's huge. Imagine coming up to it on the beach. That's what I'm saying. It like has a, a dorsal fin. Exactly. This is crazy. So our little blue dragon eats this bad boy. I don't know how you can see either one of these in the water. I'm calling BS. No, I believe it though. Okay. What action would you like to do? <laughs> I want a video. I want evidence that this actually happens that that little thing takes this thing down what was the first one called blue dragon slug sea slug (laughs) blue stinging sea slug thank you slug kills hold on we need to put up an instagram poll asking whether or not the slug could take down the jellyfish yo this is crazy what do the people think definitely this is that is insane if this is real, Graham, that's a great fact. It's even uh, it's even on the wiki, p- wiki page for the Portuguese <laughs> man of war. The blue sea slug, Glaucus atlanticus, specializes in feeding Yo, the Portuguese. The man of war's tentacles can be up to 165 feet long. Yeah, how is a thing the size of a pebble eating the whole jellyfish? This... Well, I think it definitely their, kills it. Their stings it, can be fatal to it humans. It specializes in eating it. Yes. Oh. The jellyfish. So, yes. so how is that losing oh. to a like sea slug? Well, because I don't think we need to qualify eating the entire 165 foot oh, here. jellyfish Ready? as winning. I no, think they just kill it. I got our facts for us, guys. I found them. <laughs> and they're not on Wikipedia. Okay. Okay. The blue dragon sea slugs, which not only devour the man of war, but actively harvest and appropriate its toxins after storing man of war sting cells in their own skin. Blue dragons can use it as a predator deterrent. So basically what I'm reading is like they steal the toxins and like certain um, chemicals, I guess, from the, the man of war and then it doesn't allow it to either live or to have the same defense mechanism. So then it starts to eat at it and it can't do anything about it. What? That's what you mean. It's killing itself or when other, so it goes, it, it goes to it hurts them this the little slug goes mm-hmm. to the jellyfish, takes mm-hmm. its lunch money 
Like this is like just says this is mine. So the jellyfish can't eat. Yeah. I think so. And then the and then the blue dragon is like, no, screw you! I'm like devoured. That's what you it can't do anything. Yeah, You're I'm gonna mine. eat you. Thanks for lunch money and you for lunch is what it says. That's crazy. It's like a tapeworm inside a human, though. Like a small tapeworm inside a human, it can like grow up to like yeah, like meters, like eight meters long. So maybe that's why the pictures are, of of them are so small. Because yeah. they're they're finding them before they've eaten one of those jellyfish. Ooh. Yeah, the pre meal, <laughs> at weigh. Yeah, and think though, like that, the sea slug could probably like get onto the skin of this man of war, and then just hang out for like a week before it starts to go to town. Because it won't, it won't feel it. If your tentacles are 165 feet long, even like, if it does, jeez Louise, I like it. This is fact worthy. This is crazy, but definitely need to ask our audience if this is fact worthy. So we're still in the ocean here, folks. I just want to let everybody know that allegedly wild dolphins call each other by their names. Like, by, oh, like yeah, I saw first that one names. too. Like, that one blew my mind. Like they actually have names like Jim and Bob and like Brian. Big, hey, over here. Big Lou. Like, <laughs> I think that's super yeah. cool. That part is crazy. But I mean, like, I guess it's not really a surprise. Dolphins are extremely intelligent. And like, they have the ability to learn and to create things, I believe. So, you know, I feel like it's only a matter of time before the anim- like animals with the ability to communicate and think come up with efficient ways of directing communication to, you know, certain dolphins. Mm-hmm. I think it's just but yeah, cool, I read that too. Freaking crazy. That they actually have names. Like, that's sweet. Could could a blue dragon take down a dolphin? No. You don't think so? No. I I think they're too fast, right? Like, I think part like Portuguese man of war are massive, but they float through Yeah, but, like, ship. dolphins are kind of just chilling out sometimes. But if, like, the talk, like, it's blue the Blue dragon just lands blue... on a dolphin, gets in the blowhole, big time, let's go. Gets in the blowhole. <laughs> i'm not oh, gonna touch man. that one says the guy who tried to count whales using their blowhole as vomit <laughs> yo i didn't try i proposed to sneak one by it's not like i was convinced that it was a thing that sounds an awful lot like a try all right me. it was a try what color skin do you guys think polar bears have anyone i don't know take a I don't guess know. what type of color Okay, well, I know I'm the going answer. Like a beige, black. it's black, black skin. Hmm, that blew my mind. Yeah, I guess it's kind of kind of pretty wild. Eh? But no one's ever. I shouldn't say no one's ever, but like very rarely are people exposed to a hairless polar bear. We should do like. Yeah, it's true. I've never seen like a shave. We should do like two truths and a lie this week on Instagram, of like animal facts or nature facts. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's a bad idea. I like it. Okay, hurricanes. I'm drop some hurricane knowledge on you. Okay, hurricanes in the southern <laughs> hemisphere. Sound it out. Spin which way? Counterclockwise. No, clockwise. Northern hemisphere, counterclockwise. Because of the Coriolis effect. That's crazy to me. Is that the same reason toilets in Australia spin in the opposite direction? Yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's that really fact cool. fiction? Also, that's a fact. Also, the National Weather Alert Center in the United States, whatever the name is called, the people who name the hurricanes, started naming them in 1953 and only used female names uh, until 1978 and then they started using guys. What a win for, or not a win, but a step in the right direction for gender equality. <laughs> You're right. That's a different fight that's needed. I never, I never knew hurricanes sure. had like <laughs> biological anatomy. Well, they have names. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I love it. Just good that we're recognizing them as equal individuals. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, man, hurricanes are crazy. Right on. Uh, so one of the other things I wanted to talk about was thinking about the idea of what we think of when we think of a successful predator. So I don't know about you guys, but the types of predators that come to mind are like sharks, <laughs> jaguars, belly rub season. Chias. <laughs> 100%. Um, but when like doing some research and digging into it, it's been found that the most successful predator measured in the number of attempts to kill versus number of kills kill percentage is the army <laughs> ant. Okay, hold on. Yeah. I have a, I have a critical question about this. Each yes. ant has its own statistic, or is it a team statistic? It's a team statistic. It is the measuring of that species of animal's success to kill. Right. So, like, I don't know. Is that fair to compare animals that hunt in packs against animals who don't hunt in packs? I would say so, just because we're measuring nature to nature. Mm. All is fair in nature and nature. <laughs> Exactly. Couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, but yeah, like when reading or reading about it, obviously, it's all strength in numbers. So apparently, oh, these shout out to the warriors packs, <laughs> as we're calling it. As, <laughs> oh, oh man, <laughs> um, uh, the, these packs, as we're calling them, are up to a uh, half million in size of army ants, and they kill about thirty thousand living things a day are packs of army ants called platoons i sure <laughs> hope so. so if they're not if you didn't look that up and you're just i'm just suggesting that, that. i really think that should be a thing that's like a outfits thing. that's fantastic or like you know a group of yeah, parrots really is called a, a pandemonium <laughs> parrot parrot pandemonium is what we're witnessing pandemonium <laughs> uh, that's crazy it's upsetting that a group of pandas isn't going Oh, that's around. funny, too. <laughs> <laughs> do you have other uh, do you ever, do you have other kill percentages from other animals, Graham, or just the army ant? Like what it- the only other one I can give you off the top of my head is jaguars have about a one out of seven. Is that the type rate. of the car? And what the I mean by that, to be more clear, is... <laughs> <laughs> That wasn't funny. I'm not giving you a laugh. You're smiling, though. I could hear your smile through your microphone. (laughs) The listeners don't know that. 
We're talking animal. We're talking hunter. Every seven attempts to kill something by a jaguar, only one is successful. You think the cobra okay. is better than the jaguar? What about the mustang? Like, I think muscle cars probably have a better opportunity. You know, more torque, more power. More get up and go. More get up and go. <laughs> <laughs> more fossil fuel depletion per attempt. You're brutal. Now we need more stacks of trees that we don't have. <laughs> yeah, we're running out of the trees. Yeah. Well, we get rid of the bacteria. Solve that problem. We just talked about this. we got too many trees, man. Whoa, this one's crazy. This I don't think we should be in that mindset. This fact, <laughs> listen to this fact. This is going to blow your mind. A single strand of spider silk is thinner than a human hair, but also five times stronger than steel of the same width. A rope of spider silk just two inches thick could stop a Boeing 747. <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah that is that's definitely a thing like they the military has been trying to use um spider silk in body armor for the longest time no that's the craziest thing i've ever heard a 747 <laughs> could be stopped by two inches of material wow wow yeah and like if you think about that nature man theoretically <laughs> Like it's it's a more infinite resource than creating synthetic materials. Absolutely. Yeah, but that's what they say. Like spider silk is good for bandages and um, a ton of different stuff because of its strength. That's yeah. That one blew my mind when I read it. I thought that was cool. Yeah, definitely. I have one more that I want to share for you. Barn owls, specifically barn owls, okay. are monogamous in nature, but. 25% of barn owl relationships end in the equivalent of barn owl divorce. <laughs> Is that because the barn Wait, gets knocked down? Or they just like get up and leave? I'm living in my mother's barn upstate. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. I send her to the farm. To the barn. Wait, does that have to do with the fact that there are so few <laughs> barns nowadays? I mean, other than the barns is. <laughs> from what i understand it's it's literally a somewhat similar thing to humans it's just a compatibility thing over time eventually one owl will just fly off (laughs) yeah but at the same time significantly lower divorce rate than humans interesting i wonder what the secret is what do the owls know that humans don't about relationships they don't have social media hey i don't know they don't have social media Ooh, <laughs> owls don't owls don't care about your petty no problems owl, <laughs> <laughs> owls aren't taxed for the reason they don't have to pay taxes <laughs> <laughs> so that makes them stay together longer there's no walls going to be the inverse you get tax credits at, if you're married which would encourage marriage you're right. I was just noting generally stressful and constructs of our society that might influence people. I don't know. Just stating more facts. Owls don't get taxed. 
That's how do you true. get a barn owl? Is it that one of those true. like field of dreams? If you build a barn, they will come, or do you have to go out and get your own owl? I think it's BYOO. <laughs> Bring your own owl. Bring your own owl. <laughs> oh my gosh! Imagine. Get you out of here. <laughs> one owl. Brought up. Step well, that's how it up. works in Harry Potter, isn't it? Yeah. You go and buy your own owl. Yeah, from the owl store. Yeah, it doesn't. Hogwarts doesn't supply you with the owl. No, they just encourage. Them. <laughs> they have temporary housing for visiting owls. <laughs> That's what I never got in Harry Potter. That was the thing I struggled with. That's the thing you struggled with? In that entire fictional world. No, hear me out. You're allowed in Harry Potter to bring either an owl or a cat or a toad as a pet to the Hogwarts castle for school. Why would you ever choose a cat or a toad over an owl? Because in the wizarding world... Owls literally send and receive like letters and mail and everything for you. They have an actual oh the original Twitter purpose. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, cat, cats bury their own poo, so that's a plus. <laughs> In a brick castle. I mean, they'll find a way. They're creative. Jury's out. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's an interesting question. I don't like. I don't think uh, owls are giving you the same kind of animal relationship that a cat would give you i don't toads i mean yeah i'm not taking a toad but i feel like it would definitely be be down between a cat and an owl for me (laughs) you know i guess the other thing is like owls will hunt their own food so you kind of save the pet food there Uh, i guess if a cat if it's domesticated you're kind of feeding it so might be another challenge there that's fair can't argue I like that. the owl. I'm going with an owl for me. You're going owl? You're yeah. team owl? I'm team owl. I'll BYOO. <laughs> Would you want barn owl, barred owl, great horn owl, snowy owl? I can't be too picky. Screech owl. A fun fun fact about owls to top onto that is owls don't have eyeballs. Their eyes are tubes in their head. Also got that 360 that degree out. view of range. Yes, allegedly. Turn that head right round, right round, right round. <laughs> yeah, I turn my head. <laughs> like a record, baby. Awesome. That's all. <laughs> End of story. Nature is amazing. And if you haven't seen uh, Blue Planet, Planet Earth, uh, Blue Planet 2, The Hunt, Blue Planet 2, Planet <laughs> Earth 2, any of basically any of David Attenborough's or um, Aussie Man reviews. Either of those two quality pieces of content, then I think you definitely need to do so. Change your life. Learn some about nature. I think we've got a lot of material for some polls, so we'll probably put those up on Instagram this week. And yeah, gentlemen, any last facts? I'm good. Octopus have three hearts. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah, maybe maybe divorce rates in octopus are quite high. That's all. You get your heart broken, you get another chance. Because they can give. Mm. Or do they love three times as much? And they can give, give more. Yeah. And the, the last it. one that I'm going to toss in here is pests, or by bats eating insects, they saved the U.S. agricultural industry an estimated three billion dollars per year. Yeah, but what do they cost the healthcare system in rabies? Zero. 
future. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get a verified fact there? <laughs> I'll put my Thank stamp you. on it for sure. We're not. We're not in. <laughs> <laughs> not a, a science evidence-based no, we're definitely not foundation a zoologist here. podcast <laughs> and that's it for me i'm signing off <laughs> all right if you uh if you are smarter than us which is very likely Oof. and uh, you want to refute any of our facts you can get in touch with us on email uh that's so interesting pod at gmail.com or on instagram at tsi podcast been a blast nature's cool Get out and enjoy nature, kids. I love it.